Today, we're going to talk about the one thing every kid wants to hear from their parents. For their whole lives. For their whole life. Welcome to the What Could Go Right podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Eric. And here we talk about personal growth, family connections, and parenting adult kids. After recording that podcast episode, we realized that we did not turn on these really beautiful, luscious sounding microphones. So the sound is a little bit less awesome, but still totally easy to hear. I think it sounds great. Thanks for bearing with us in our imperfections. Enjoy. Oh man, it, speaking of parenting adult kids, it has been a week. I just want to take a second here to look back because first of all, it's a changing of a season like in the air. I feel like winter has arrived mm-hmm. and um, which is, I feel it doubly having just been in the Caribbean recently, <laughs> coming back to these, it's started to snow here. Uh, Eric has been taking people sailing on some scouting trips to find new areas where we can take people sailing to talk more about life design and life planning. And he was just just two uh, back-to-back groups in St. Lucia. So don't feel bad for him, but yes, winter's coming on hard. (laughs) It was good. If you want want the, the skinny, go check out social media, Instagram and Facebook, lots of pictures there, but it was, it's, 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 it's a little bit of work, but it's also a lot of awesome. So anyway, it's good to be here. And also I'm just thinking because we're in this space and we had a party here for our son, Eli, who turned 18. And for us, that makes four adult kids over the age of 18. And it, it's just been, and it's been coming fast. We're doing weddings. We're doing, you know, getting into college and, you know, starting classes. And it's just been a lot of. Let, let me just try to recap. So, yeah. so in this past eight weeks um, and most of it happening in the past one week, we had a daughter who came home from an 18 month service mission. We, nine days later, she got engaged to be married. Think whatever you want about that. This guy's incredible. And they've been friends for a long time. And then he got his bachelor's degree. And then our son, Eli, turned 18 and was like, okay, now I'm an adult. And he's um, wrapping up with high school and just really eager to know all the skills he needs to have to be independent. And anyway, for us, we've been like, oh, we're celebrating this, we're celebrating that. I call it our season of Jubilee. So it's the perfect way for us to, to go into the Christmas season. It's already so much celebration. You know, hey, at the very least, four out of four, our kids made it to adulthood. So. <laughs> we're starting to think, do we still need life insurance? That, those are the kinds of questions that we're asking ourselves now. Like, you know, we, anyway, okay, um, I'm going to tell a story. Yeah. All right. A long time ago, I turned 16. And when I was turning 16... I knew that I wanted to have a car. I wanted to buy a car because one of the things that I valued the most in my young teenagers was my independence. And just so you know, prior to that, I one of the prior to having my driver's license, I would just ride a bicycle everywhere so that I didn't have to ask for a ride and I can just go whenever I wanted and I would ride dozens and dozens of miles all over the area. 
to see friends and come and go to school. And anyway, I, but I was pretty excited to get my, my driver's license, which I did. And I had a friend in high school whose grandparents were selling a old 1974 Brown Volkswagen rabbit, which I think if I were to buy it now, it would be considered a classic car, mm. but in the, was you know, not considered it, it, it was just considered an old car at the time. It was an old car and it was um, stick shift and it had um, seats that had all the padding had gone out. It was just like springs with fabric over it. And you, I can you know. witness to that because I did take like a 10 hour road trip with you sitting on one of those springs. Lucky you. Yeah. You lucky lady. That's right. <laughs> okay, so and and they were selling it for five hundred dollars, which I happened to have because I was delivering these things that we used to have called newspapers, and I would get paid for that. And so anyway, I, I mowed lawns and had a newspaper route, and so I had some cash, and I was buying this car, and uh, I can't even remember how I got to their house now that I think about it, but I got over to their house. Maybe you and rode your bike. Maybe. <laughs> you know what? I, I might have because I was there by myself yeah. and I gave them $500, which was everything I had in savings. It was mm -hmm. all my money. So I'm already kind of getting a little emotional about this. So. <sighs> okay. It was a big deal. I bought this car and one thing that hadn't really occurred to me was that I didn't know how to drive stick shift, and this was a manual car. Had not occurred to anybody, apparently. It did, yeah, nobody was like, oh, yeah. Every, it was assumed everyone knew how to drive a manual transmission in those days. And so I, my dad had said, the first thing you want to do is just drive it from, uh, you know, from your friend's house to the DMV and register it to make it legitimate and insured and all that. And I was like, okay. So I get the car and I'm like, I think my friend's grandfather just sort of gives me some instruction verbally, like, you know, clutch out, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I barely make it out of the parking lot onto, because they lived in this apartment complex and I get out of the parking lot and I go onto the main road, which is big. It's, it's six lanes, three each direction. It's a main road, but I stay in the right-hand lane and I'm telling this partly because it happened around Christmas time and I was driving down this road, sort of, you know, going with the flow of traffic. And once you're going, obviously with a stick shift, it, um, you just got to keep your momentum going. It's when, it's when you slow down and when you're starting up that you have to really know what you're doing. Anyway, the route between where I bought the car and the DMV drove straight past the mall. The mall. The mall. And the mall, and this was also happening around rush hour. So I'm going to sort of, to paint a picture here, it was probably 4.30, 4 o'clock, you know, between 4 and 5 in the Washington, D.C. area. And it was also just a couple days before Christmas. So imagine sort at of the mall. at the mall. <laughs> and I came to stop at this intersection that, was three lanes each way on the road that I was on and then three lanes crisscrossing yeah. and red light. 
I'm behind a few cars. He turns green, they all go, and I'm like putting it in first and letting out the clutch. And anyway, I I I stall out before I get into the intersection, and everyone's honking, and uh, you know, it's but I'm like, okay, I got to the the front of the line, and um, then I get it back in neutral, go to first, and then I get a green light. I, you know, I, I start to ease out on the clutch and. And this time I stall out right in the middle of the intersection. And now everybody from four directions is honking at me because I'm completely jamming up traffic. I'm completely flustered. I'm by myself. And not that I would call anyone, but this was before the days of cell phones where it's like, hey, can you come help me? I'm just, I, I think I contemplated getting out of the car and just push, like pushing it mm. through the intersection, which would probably would have been even more dangerous. Mm. Anyway, all the honking and yelling and finally I just, I get it going enough that I'm out of the intersection and I continue the other half of the way to the DMV and I'm just sweaty and I'm rattled and I'm just thinking to myself, you know, how, for how much I wanted a car, I thought this is such a bad idea. This is so dumb. And I get to the DMV and have a quarter and so i put in the payphone and i call my dad and i'm like dad i bought the car and i'm here at the dmv and i tell him the whole story about what happened i'm just like dad i think i should just take your car back this is such a such a dumb thing he said and he said to me the thing that every kid wants to hear throughout their whole life mm -hmm. says it's gonna be okay You've got what it takes. Just go ahead and register the car. Every kid doesn't want to hear, go ahead and register the car. <laughs> what they want to hear is, you've got what it takes. I believe in you. And my dad didn't say those exact words, but that's what he was saying. His message was. He said, I believe in you. You've got what it takes. He told me, go ahead and just register the car. It's going to be fine. Sorry, I got a lump in my throat. Um, anyway. I did register that car. And as Emily can attest, I had that car for a long time. And because I didn't meet her when I was 16. Um, <laughs> but when I came back from my freshman year of college, she and I took a road trip up to New York. And that's when she rode those five hours up, five <laughs> hours back in that car that had no padding seat. Anyway, so just to bring it back, back to Christmas, I bought that car and I registered it. And my parents' Christmas gift to me that year was a new set, a new radio or a stereo system for the car, like a cassette player. Ooh. Yeah, with like automatic rewind and some other cool features. You could play your mixtapes in there. Totally. Totally. <laughs> and, and I got new speakers and my dad, he, he helped me over the Christmas break, cut holes in the back where I could mount the new speakers. And anyway, so it was a rough ride, but it sounded real good. The tune sounded real good. And I made a lot of really beautiful, fun, fun adventure, adventurous memories in that car. And you were there for a lot of them. Yeah. So, okay. So anyway, Emily, thank you for listening to me tell that story. Sorry, I got a little teary, but it just hits home every time I talk about it. I can say one of the things that I love about that story, and I wasn't um, expecting it when you started telling, is how you said you gave all your savings to buy that car and just how 
you had this idea of what a car could mean to you and what kind of life you could have if you stepped into car ownership and you were willing to take all those hours and gamble everything on this used car with no sound system <laughs> and <laughs> no padding, <laughs> that this trade-off was going to be to be worth it. And then once you cross the threshold and you actually had, so first of all, I love that you were like, I'm willing to trade what I have, what I know, like my security, everything I've you know saved up so far in life to, to level up in this way. And I just think that's awesome. That takes a lot of courage. And then I love that once you got the car, you were like, this is way different than I was expecting. This is way harder. I'm not ready for this. I don't have the skill set required to be the owner of this car. And I just want to go back to the way things were. I think what a lot of people don't realize is that so many times when you get what you've been working for and what you've been dreaming of, there are some surprises and you have to become a new person. You have to develop some new skills to be able to like, adapt to living your dream, you know, and, and we recognize that as part of a template that we teach in our navigator framework, private coaching program, but it's just so clear, like it comes up in almost every story. And I just noticed it so clearly in this one. So, and then obviously the best thing of all, and what makes it so emotional is that it was so hard and it was so scary to get what you wanted to give everything to get what you thought you wanted. And then have someone there who loves you and says, I believe in you and encourages you to move forward and get you over that horrifying obstacle. Because those people were so nice. They probably would have been like, okay, here's your $500 back. We'll just relist it in the newspaper. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you could have taken it back. Easily. Yeah. And actually, as you're talking, Emily, two things came to mind. One is... I had that exact same feeling when we bought our sailboat. Oh my gosh. It was like, this there's was a- <laughs> this. there's a chapter in our book, Seven at Sea, called Whose Dumb Idea Was This? And it was for the same reason that once we bought the boat and moved aboard and took it out, we're like, oh my goodness, this was, we. You know, this was a bad idea. What same, are we doing here? We don't have thing. the skills. We don't. So, so there's that, just that, that you're right, that it, getting what you want is really hard and it does require you to level up because you have to become a new kind of person to sort of absorb into your life the thing that is new. Even if you want it and it's good, you can't be the same person you were before and have this new thing in your life and have it be harmonious. You have to, you have to level up for it to be integrated into your your news, you know, to where you want to, the kind of person you want to be. You have and to, I want it to be a car owner. Yeah. You have to make some trades and actually think, uh, makes me think of, um, just a few months ago, we had our first wedding and prior. And tell the story, oh, yeah. but then I want to come back to the other. Oh thing yeah. So the, just related to the first thing. Um, we had our first, uh, wedding of one of our children in July. And prior to that season, um, our daughter and her fiance were dating long distance for like eight months. Right. And when she made, they decided they were going to get married and she made the call to live in the same place as him and transfer schools and, and all those things. Uh, before she came out, he said to me, I'm going to have to like adjust my calendar. I'm going to have to make 
time for her when she's going to be here in person. That's different than setting up a Zoom call, right? To have someone who lives near you and can be integrated into your life. And I mean, I knew he was right. I just thought that was so insightful of him to realize as, as a young man, this relationship is important to me. She's now, my dream is now going to come true and she's going to live very near to me. And I'm going to have to change my life to make room to make space for, for her in it. Yeah. And so it's like, what are you willing to trade and change to have something that you believe will be better? And now they've been married for a few months and I'll say it is better. They're so fun. They're so they're, cute. They're great together. They're, they're such a good match. So, okay. The second thing. Okay. As we were talking, I remembered that you're talking about like giving all of my money to this, to this car. My dad, before I bought the car was, I don't want to say he was a little bit of a stinker about it, but he was just kind of trying to prepare me. Mm, and he's yeah. like, you know, Eric, buying a car isn't just the cost of purchasing the car. And all of us adults know that. We know that there are oil changes and you have to buy gas to put into it. And registration. Registration. Insurance. But, you know, there's car insurance and all the things that I was oblivious to as a new 16-year-old. And... And so in some ways, I don't want to say he was discouraging me, but he was sort of laying a groundwork for this is, this might be more than you are bargaining for. Mm -hmm. But then once I made the decision and I went ahead and bought the car, he, he switched. Oh, not, not that he, I mean, he was, he was still the same. He was saying the same things, but like, he's the one that encouraged me to buy. It went from saying, like, Hey, you need to know that there's these other costs involved. There's, you gotta, you know. You got to wash it. You got to clean it. You got to maintain it. You got to fuel it. You know, all these different things. And, and, and then to say, yeah, and it's still all, even with all that, it's still going to be okay. You should go ahead and get it. You can handle it. You can afford gas and, you know, and, and if you want to talk about, you know, how we handled who would pay for what we have a previous oh, yeah. episode somewhere called, um, you know, who pays for what we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> but this is one of those junctures. and. Anyway, just that my dad doesn't just whitewash it and just always say, you know, you'll be great. You can do whatever you want. It's <laughs> you've got this. Like, yeah. Like, he, he wants to help me. See, he wanted to help me see around corners and not be blindsided by unexpected this and that. And so anyway, I just wanted to. Yeah. Add I think that in. that's really important. And that was a way that when he was encouraging you, he was saying, given all this, I know you've got what it takes. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's, that's the thing that every kid wants to hear throughout their entire life. I believe in you. You've got what it takes. Well, encouragement, we always say, is the greatest gift we can give each other. It, there's never a person that we don't appreciate receiving encouragement from. We receive it from our kids. We receive it from our parents. We receive it from each other. And we're never like, wait, why are you encouraging me? <laughs> I've had enough. I've heard enough about what I'm capable of and and how much you believe in me. And I've kind of hit my max. <laughs> we, we always, it's the gift that we always want to be receiving. And I like to think about that. Um, like when we're with, to say our kids, for example, are they going away feeling encouraged? Like, hey, my parents believe in me or some other message. And that keeps me on track. You know, I like to talk about doing the things that matter most. That's one of the things that matters most to me. 
And I would just, I would just say that the Orton kids know how to fill in this blank. The greatest gift you can give somebody is blank. It's encouragement. Our kids know that. And the, the beautiful thing about it is that it can be quick. It's free. Um, it can be ongoing, but it can be a one-time thing. Encouragement, it, it requires so little of us to give it. And it can mean so much to the recipient. I was just, you know, this morning I got an encouraging email from somebody who um, wants to work with us. And the first thing I wanted to do was share it with Emily. I was like, hey, can I read you this great email? And, you know, because we, we love working with you and your stories inspire and fill us up. So anytime somebody is into it and all about it, it, you know, it gives us energy. So we feel good. We feel encouraged by you. And hopefully you feel encouraged by us. Is there anything else that you want to say about encouragement? There is. And I think it's that maybe my theory is the reason we always are happy to receive encouragement and we always need it. And it always feels like it's coming at a good time is because the default setting of the world that we live in is worry, fear, distraction, and increasingly just comparing ourselves with others in a negative way and always feeling like small or what am I here to offer? What do I have to give? Am I enough? Things like that. And that message is constantly flooding over us. So whenever somebody sends us a little buoy that's like, hey, I think you're amazing generally, specifically, ongoing, right now, in whatever context, um, it's never too much. We always, we always love to get encouragement. And even um, this coming year, I will turn 50 years old. I'm hoping that's my halfway mark. And you make, I you make 49. That's really good. Oh, thanks, love. And I always still want encouragement. I, you do not outgrow it. You don't outgrow it. So however old your kids are, yeah. they want to hear that you believe in them. I was on the phone with my dad this weekend. We don't talk all the time. You know, it's a couple times a month, but we got on the phone this weekend and he once again was encouraging. He was like, oh man, you're doing great stuff. Well, you know, it, it, and so, yeah. I, and I'm guessing that even after I'm 50, because Emily and I turned 50 about the same time, that even post 50, I'm still going to want to feel encouraged by my dad or whoever. And so what is the one thing that every kid wants to hear throughout their entire life? Encouragement. I believe, I believe in you. You've got what it takes. What could go right? Thanks for listening. Hey there, it's Eric. How would you like to travel for a month with your entire family anywhere in the world without quitting your job? I'd love to show you how. That's how Emily and I and our five kids started. We would just do these one month trips that eventually grew to living on a sailboat, including our daughter with special needs. Once we started to do this, we felt like we just found the cheat code for life and we'd love to share it with you. So this is what we do. It's called a discovery call. You book a time for 20, 30 minutes. It's free. We're going to go over three questions. And when we do this, you're going to be able to launch your first of many, hopefully, family adventures, does not require you to quit your job. All you gotta do is go to theawesomefactory.nyc forward slash discovery, pick a time that works for you, and we'll get on and we'll get you going. Why do I do these for free? Because everyone deserves to know what's possible in their life, including you. So, love to see you there, thanks.